When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick. How are you? Good, Don. What would you think of All-Star Weekend? Uh, good. I just got to get out of the way that uh, EJ is indisposed today. It's unavailable. Um, I don't like so it. We're, so I, I just sent a message out to him that we're going to try to get something together for maybe Wednesday's podcast, which is fine. I just want to get his thoughts on everything Toronto and everything uh, All Star, but you know we we watched, we were engaged, and we can give our thoughts just as easily, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Why not? Uh, listen, the uh, it is what it is, right? The All Star Game is, um, I think, not really skewed for a fifty five year old. Maybe skewed more in your area, but I, I still had fun with it. Um, I you know the the skills competition I guess was dominated by the Kucherov accuracy and how he kind of gave up and the fans got on him. I I thought it was funny actually, you know, just his reaction and how he became like the villain the next day during the All Star game and all that. So I'm not going to kill him. I understand the frustration. Even Ray Ferraro talked about how difficult that is and how really they stepped up the difficulty of these skills that they had to do on Friday. And then how difficult it was, and I, f- I felt for Matt Barzell, too, when he was going through the obstacle course, he's not going to win. He's got to get it into the little net. It's get up to 45 seconds. I mean, you'd almost understand if he just threw his hands up and said, all right, I quit. He didn't. Good on him. But um, I just thought it was funny. I- I'm not going to get mad at uh, Nikita Kucherov for his reaction. What was your thoughts? Uh, I don't – I have to remember or I have to guess I have to check because obviously all-stars have to participate, but – do the are the all stars forced to participate? Did they choose twelve people that absolutely had to do this? Because I think that there are probably guys, and Matt Barzell, of course, was a late addition to not only this but the team in general. Right, where he actually gave a lot of effort and he made it to the final because of how well he did. Um, this was created by Connor McDavid, so it's natural that he won it. Um, he would probably know the 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 course or anything else better than anybody, and and what what it entailed. And he's also the best player in the world, so it makes sense that he would win a skills competition. For me, it's it's tough when this is supposed to be something that the guys are supposed to enjoy. This is supposed to be more player driven because it was created by a player, where it's not this kind of hokey. And and look, everything's going to have its own little quirks about it. But it's kind of frustrating to me that out of the twelve guys to do it, one guy seemed like he was going to go through the motions with it because I did think it was a lot of fun and. ESPN did a great job keeping track of the live stats, who was in first, who was in second, who needed to do well in this particular thing. And Kucherov just kind of seemed like, you know what, I'm kind of going to coast through this. And it wasn't, after all, I got off to a bad start. Like, he just kind of did half speed for most of it, which was kind of yeah. frustrating to me. Right. But again, like you said, Don, am I going to kill him? No. Is he ever going to never be allowed back? No. But I just wish that on the first installment of this, there were 12 guys fully bought in because it seemed like the other 11 were, and it just seemed like he wasn't. And that kind of just took the fun out of it a little bit for me when he performed, but it didn't take away from everybody else doing well. Which yeah, I thought and, was great. And, and what you see is that just how outstanding Connor McDavid is. Like you could Unbelievable. say, well, he, he put it together, but you just see how skilled he is. And then Ray Ferraro threw something. I think it was Ferraro. There was a bunch of different people. It was Messier. I don't think Messier would have said it. Um, uh, PK 
didn't say it either. I think where Ray said that, you know, maybe when it's all said and done, that McDavid may turn out to be the greatest player in the history of the sport. And it sounds ridiculous because of all the things that Gretzky accomplished, but I think he could put himself in the conversation because he is just, I think, so much better than everybody else. And the game is different, too. I know it's a little bit more wide open than it's ever been, but it's not to the point it was in in the in the 1980s where guys were you know getting high 100 points and, and routinely scoring north of 60 goals it hasn't gotten to that point yet but he just seems just so gifted and so skilled and so fun to watch and so humble and such a guy that's easy to root for and uh, I, I just I'm, I'm captivated by him so I'm not mad at the opinion I don't agree with it because I think Gretzky's just on a completely different level but maybe when the when the dust settles on all this 100 years from now 200 years from now that Connor McDavid's in that conversation and maybe not the second best player ever to play yeah I think he's going to have to win uh, in order to to reach that pinnacle I think he's just he's talented enough I hadn't seen Gretzky play so I'm not going to say that I think he's more talented than Gretzky. I just can't. I mean, I can look at highlights and things of that nature, Don, but I, I'm not going to compare a player that I've never seen before to a player that I have seen. And Connor McDavid's one of the best players that I've ever seen. I'm well aware of all the statistics that make Gretzky the best player in the world, and it would be hard for me to knock somebody off that pedestal. Uh, he will have to win at some point. Um, this team is playing well right now. Do they have a chance to make the final this year? Maybe, uh, but the teams around him in the West are getting better. I think that there's he can, he's so good. There's no way, just like Ovechkin, and it took him a while too. There's no way that a player of that ilk is not going to find cup at some point. At some, but it's it, you know, let me just bring this up, and I, I'm not here to disrespect Gretzky and his championships. Oh boy, but you're talking about a 21 team league. You're talking about he was on the best team in the NHL after he left. They won a cup. Well, I'm not so, saying he has to match him. But no, but, but I'm just saying even just winning. Like, you know, because, all right, what if Gretzky um, never played for the Edmonton Oilers and played for the Los Angeles Kings his entire career and then, and then eventually went on to St. Louis and the Rangers? He never won after Edmonton. He went to a Stanley Cup final in, 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 in 1993 with the Kings, and that just shows you how special he was because that Kings team can never get over the hump and then finally did, and he was huge in Game 7 against the Leafs. So this is not a referendum on him not being clutch in the postseason. He certainly was, but... Again, it all depends on what team you're on because he had Curry and he had Messier and he had Fuhr and he had Anderson. I mean, it just the list of players on that Edmonton Oilers team was amazing. And he won his four cups there or five cups there or four cups because then Messier ended up winning the year after for his fifth cup. And then he went to the Rangers and then won another one. You know, Messier, Gretzky never did. He did go to the final in 93, did go to the conference final with the Rangers in 97. So again, this is not to knock Gretzky, but sometimes, Anthony, you just got to be on the right team. And and when you look at that Edmonton team, even though you didn't grow up watching it, you know the names. So those names still yes. resonate with you, even though they were all uh, accomplished before you were born. And that's how good that Edmonton team was. Has Connor McDavid ever been on a stacked team? You know, Leon Dreisaitl is an excellent player, but is there anybody else that's even going to approach Hall of Fame there? Uh, when you look at all the players that um, that that Alexander Ovechkin played with, and Nicholas Backstrom's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame as well, but not nearly as good. And even those Pittsburgh teams were amazing. When you look at the players getting to play with Malkin and getting to play with uh, Latang, and there was though so I wouldn't put that Pittsburgh team on the Edmonton level, but it certainly was loaded. So if Crosby was a capital his whole life and Ovechkin was a Penguin his whole life. 
would 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 uh, he have four rings to just one? Like so, I think where you are matters in the conversation. So I think it's kind of unfair to say, well, four championships for Gretzky and that McDavid has to win. Because I don't, I, I don't know in this day and age with thirty-two teams and four best-of-seven series whether whether you necessarily can drag a team to a championship. Anthony, I, I, it's not like it is in basketball. I just think you got to be on the right team, and maybe this year's Edmonton team is turning into that with a sixteen-game winning streak. They're going to try to extend tomorrow, uh, but uh, or later this week. But I. I when you say he's got to win one, if he stays on Edmonton, and Edmonton's kind of what they've been his entire career, can he? Well, it's a fair it's a fair point by you, and I would say this to 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 add to your point and kind of detract from mine. I think Alex Ovechkin, even if he didn't win that cup a couple of years ago, would still have gone down as one of the best goal scorers in NHL history just in general and one of the best players ever without winning but I think it just adds him to a pantheon of I also won which shows that at the I was at the top of my game and my team won a cup not I won a cup my team won a cup as you said it's a team sport and it's going to take more than just the one player and we saw that because Ovechkin was probably arguably better four or five years before he won the cup than he was in the year that they won the cup. He was still at the top of his game playing unbelievable hockey, but his prime was probably like three or four years before, and they didn't make it. They would get stopped by the Rangers a bunch of times, or the Penguins. Um, Look, when you talk about he's going to surpass Gretzky, for me, he has to surpass him in something. I don't think it's going to be points. I don't think it's going to be assists. Um but could he win two cups and then maybe he's at that level with him or I don't know I just have to see I have to see something more and of course he's got plenty of time to do it he's young he's not going anywhere he's an unbelievable player and it doesn't look like he's going to slow down at any point here um he's going to get into that conversation Don but I'm not going to be ready to say that I could see him on a trajectory right now to surpass Gretzky but that's just yeah. me no, it's it's interesting, um, but it was just it was just a nice conversation. I thought ESPN did a very good job. I thought Toronto did a good job as well. A um, couple of things that came out of the weekend, um, basically Friday, because uh, Gary Bettman had that State of the Union that he has during the All Star break. He'll have another one during the Stanley Cup Final. But of course, expansion came up, and he kind of poo pooed the whole idea of expansion, which leads to me this conspiracy theory. And see if you can follow me. I have Listen, my paper and I have my pen. All right. Uh, you could say all you want that the NHL released the statement about Utah wanting a team when the when the five players from um, the 2018 Canadian World Junior team came out and, and used it as a distraction, whatever. Uh, you can also look at it as, hey, just Utah wants a team, and it's not the NHL's fault that Utah released the statement and all that. But I believe Gary when he says there doesn't seem to be an appetite for expansion just yet. So if if I believe that, I believe this is all just a ploy to apply pressure on the, the Arizona to get a new stadium or a new arena for the Coyotes and have a legitimate threat to move somewhere. Like Now it's not hypothetical anymore. Utah wants a team. It's a team that's in that area so they can stay in the Central Division just to put the pressure of, hey, Utah, you're going to get a team. Maybe it's not going to be an expansion team, but if the Coyotes do not get this arena, now it now it becomes real. Now it's not, well, maybe Quebec City, maybe Houston, maybe Kansas City, you know, all these maybes, maybes, maybes. Utah now becomes a reality 
a destination to apply the pressure on getting this uh, arena done, and they want to be able to break ground on it very soon, Anthony. So I think it's all just a ploy to get the new arena, and if they don't, I think the Coyotes are moving to Utah. Well, it may not even be that much of a conspiracy theory by you, Don, because if you saw two days ago, right around the time that Gary Bettman had his press conference, the Coyotes uh, are close to reaching an agreement for 200 acres of state land in in North Phoenix. So... They're looking. They're trying. They know that they're going to need an arena. Now, I think that Mullet has... It's... I don't want to say it's it's perks. I mean, it's a very small arena, but it's very it's a small confine. It's hard to play in because there are a bunch of rabid fans and only so many that can fit in there when it is full. So if the Coyotes are playing well, you can imagine that a very uh, intimate arena like that would be a benefit to a team like the Coyotes. But... Two days ago, the Coyotes put out a statement. Either whether they feel the pressure or not, they felt the need to say, "Hey, we're close to la- to striking a deal on some land, 200 acres north of Phoenix, in an effort to get a new arena here. We want to keep this team in Arizona." So whether Bettman's uh, comments about Salt Lake or Salt Lake coming out and saying they want a team, and Kevin Weeks's report that Atlanta is uh, or Georgia is building that arena that is, you know, tied to having a hockey team at some point in the near future. All of that pressure telling Arizona, hey, we have to come out with something saying we're making an effort here. You might not be wrong on your conspiracy theory. You might just be you might just be eight steps ahead of us all, Don. Well, we'll see. I, I think um, there there's I, I just can't wrap my mind around a 34 team league. I really can't. You know, can can you just imagine? Because I don't know when baseball is going to expand to 32 uh, or basketball. I know there's there's conversation in both leagues about expansion but not as heated as the NHL seems to be about it. Can you just imagine the NHL having 34 teams and MLB and the NBA still with 30? Hey, listen, it would be the uh, it would it would be the one thing that sets us apart from the other leagues by far and the fact that you have four more teams than everybody else um, and two more than the uh, than the NFL. Um, I don't see it because as good as Vegas was in their expansion and Seattle has turned it around quicker than other expansion teams of years past. I don't know if the talent is there in this league to put two more expansion teams unless we're raising this cap at some point because I know that we were that the league was kind of in a hole because of COVID and the projected cap that was supposed to go up did not as a result of COVID and we're kind of getting out of that now and you're going to start to see the cap inch up a little bit but boy oh boy you take a look at where the cap is in these other sports Don, and I know that that hockey is uh Hockey has a lot more players than basketball, but you see how much money that the NBA could spend on their 12 to 13 roster guys. And then you take a look at how Connor McDavid gets, you know, paid like a utility second baseman in baseball. And you say, wow, uh, this is uh, now look, expansion can only be good for the league because it brings in more money, generates more revenue. Vegas has been successful, Seattle's been successful, but we've also seen failures in Atlanta, Winnipeg having to move and then come back. Um, you don't want to expand too quickly. And I think, uh, Commissioner Bettman is aware of that, so I'm. I think he's glad that everything has been working out right now and always looking to the future. But I don't see it happening within the next two to three years. Maybe Arizona has to move. That's a different conversation, like you said. Um, but yeah, 34 teams would be a lot, no question about it. Yeah, this should be a, a lot of fun to kind of keep an eye on that. We talked about it a little bit on Friday because it kind of just broke about the NHL officially now going to Italy for 2026. And also, no All-Star game next year, 
kind of a preview of the uh, Olympics in 2025 in lieu of the All-Star Game will be a, a series with the United States, Canada, Sweden, and Finland. Pretty cool. So that should be really cool. Now, obviously, Russia is out because of, obviously, the relationship what's going on now with the Ukraine. And uh, I guess they just th- – this these four work, all right? I mean, that they're, each roster is going to be loaded. It should be a lot of fun. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. The All-Star Game is, is what it is, but I think this could be a really fun tournament, and then it kind of whets the appetite for the following year when there will be no All-Star Game because of the fact that there's the Olympics. So uh, at least it, I guess that's a plan. I guess they can squeeze an All-Star Game in. I haven't heard officially yet, but um, still, it'll whet the appetite for the Olympics and the NHL players going in there. Apparently, the NHL is going to have a little bit more control for promotion standpoint, so that should be good. So uh, it seems like everybody's really excited about uh, these two events coming up in 25 and 26. Well, they should be. I mean, other than the All-Star game, we haven't really gotten a chance to see since the World Cup of Hockey the best players play against the best players on a stage that wasn't National Hockey League teams. And to be able to get that in a small sample size of four of the dynamite nations in this in this world for hockey... Of course, you're missing a large portion of it because Russia is not participating and essentially cannot participate. You're losing a good chunk of some of the most talented players, but this is going to be the, like you said, Don, Olympic preview of, hey, look at this is how some of these teams are going to look. Uh, and and the, you could look at the U.S. and you could think how stacked they're going to be. You know Sweden's going to be ultra-talented. I mean, Canada speaks for itself. It's going to be unbelievable. Somebody was uh, putting out... Look at imagine what the USA power play is going to look like, and then someone said, "Well, imagine what the Canada power play is going to look like." I mean, you could almost have all the Hughes on the American power play. It's unbelievable, um, and and to think that you could have Crosby and McDavid on the same power play unit, it, it, it's it's insane. And Cal McCarr as your as your defensive uh, as your defensive point man, with maybe Adam mm-hmm. Fox as your defensive point man. I mean, it, it's some of the best of the best, and that's what I think is so fun, and that's why I loved watching the Olympics when. When hockey was there, it's going to be great to have it back, at least guaranteed for two Olympics, which is awesome. Um, But this Nations of Hockey is going to be something very exciting. And quite frankly, as much as I love what the NHL did this year, and it's going to stink that all the work they did if there is no All-Star game is going to kind of go to waste next year. Because I thought that, whether it was Toronto or just the way they presented everything, I thought that this weekend was a huge success. I'm sure we'll get the ratings at some point. Um, Whether it was a ratings bonanza or not, it seemed like everybody enjoyed it except for Nikita Kucherov. The fans enjoyed it. The uh, Michael Bublé clearly enjoyed it. Um, the people that were there as either fans or as celebrities seemed to get something out of it more than what I think they have in years past. I thought Vegas was a good um, setup a couple of years ago. And then I think that Toronto has kind of said it. And people said, can we just have it in Toronto all the time? Just because it seems like everybody just loves hockey so much up there that it would be great to just have it there. And I know that they they change it around and they switch it up. But right. um, it just seemed like it was a very, very successful weekend. And at a, for times where even I won't necessarily turn it on all the time, I was kind of glued to my TV. Um, the games were exciting. I know there's not as much defense as <laughs> as there would be in a regular game, but everybody seemed to enjoy it. You got to see a showcase of the best talent in the league, and I thought it was overall a big success. Yeah, and Tate McRae did a great job. Everybody's flipping out about her performance. Well, listen, Don, I, I told you. You were not familiar with her work. I was not familiar with her work. I am now. And now you are. Yeah, it's uh, very good. 
Very good. A lot of people want to see her in the Super Bowl. Move over Usher. They want Tate McRae. There you go. From Calgary, uh, getting a chance to play. But uh, listen, it was it was a good time. Now we get back to work. Just a couple of games tonight, but both are pretty important. Avalanche oh, yeah. at the Rangers. Uh, second game of the suspension for Truba. So uh, that's a big test. And then the Rangers got Tampa on Wednesday. So right out of the box, you know, they got that win 7-2 to over Ottawa. And we'll see if they can fill, you know, get that going. Otherwise, you know, a couple of losses here before they go to Chicago on Friday won't look great. And the Islanders, desperate for a win, have to go to Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs, then come home to take on the, the Lightning as well. So a um, couple of really big games for two of the locals here coming right out of the box. Question, Don. Yes. Who's going to be at that uh, Lightning Islander game on Thursday? The Lightning Islander game, the Michael K show is going to be out there. You're kidding so me. Michael K, Don LaGreca, and Peter Rosenberg. They're going to open the doors early. That's awesome. Looking forward to that. Should be a lot of fun. Um, can't wait for uh, a chance to uh, get together with the boys at a really good arena. Should be a lot of fun for but, that one. But you did nail it. I mean, these are two games right out of the box for both the Islanders and the Rangers that you want to at least show, look... As long as I've been a fan, and at least over the last 10 to 15 years, the Rangers do not do well coming off of long rests. Um, no. Their legs are not under them. Um, I think Peter LaViolette does a good job of keeping this team ready for anything. But he was in Toronto. Shesty was in Toronto. Trojak was in Toronto. Shesty actually had a pretty nice performance in the shootout. He did. Of the final game, which is nice. And people said, you know, how is that going to prepare you for the... For, for the for this stretch run here, and he gave the right answer. I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, it was nice that he was able to stop those shots. Uh, hopefully a nice confidence boost for him, but until he does it in the game, uh, what are you going to do? And Alex Georgiev, the uh, the Avalanche goalie, um, $100,000 richer for the yeah, most saves in that one-on-one, which was good pretty impressive. Um, but no, I mean, look, it, you want to come out of the gate strong, right? These are two games against teams that you think you'll match up pretty well against. I mean, the Avalanche are one of the best teams in the West. The Rangers should were playing earlier like one of the best teams in the East. And if the Islanders want to compete, they're going to have to compete with teams like Toronto, who are pretty much on the fringe of being a top three team in the Atlantic and in the wild card. If you want to catch those guys, you got to beat those guys. Um, did Patrick Waugh be able to implement some things over this week break where he can kind of get the defensive structure of the Islanders a little more sound, maybe develop a little bit more offense from his top six? That remains to be seen. Can uh, Toronto, again, on a fringe spot of the top three. They want to come out strong, too, and they're home. You don't want to lose your first game at home for the Rangers and the Maple Leafs. You don't want to lose the first game out of the break at, on your home rink. So the, the two right. very interesting games should be two exciting games and something to wet our beaks before we get back to the eight-game slate on Tuesday. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca and at Anthony Pusick, hashtag game misconduct. Our friend Sir Harvey Cruz chimes in. Hey, Harv. All right, who wins the President's Trophy, and is there a way to make winning it more valuable? Maybe picking first-round opponents or first-round buy or more draft picks. Please bring this up with a commissioner when you have the time. Yeah, I, I don't uh, love the whole picking. I mean, baseball wanted to do that too, Don, with the wild card. I don't love that. I kind of like the this is the bracket, this is the way it's going to go. Whether you like the way the bracket system is right now or not is another story. Um, I kind of just like it well, as you get the trophy and and you get you get to ra- if you want to raise you. a banner, you can. But uh, but I do hear what he's saying. Like you you get presented with a trophy, you want teams that are already locked in to the playoffs, and maybe you're already locked in to winning their division and securing home ice for the first couple of rounds to still want to be engaged late in the season to try to get the President's Trophy. And right now, I don't think anybody really has an appetite to do it. It kind of comes with a curse, although I don't buy into it. But still, nobody's going to kill themselves to win that last game to win the President's Trophy unless there's something on the line. 
what about this? Since you since you make a big deal out of it, you present a trophy to the team with the best record in the regular season, and the eight seed is it, theoretically a team that barely made the playoffs. Do you have something where they get five potential five home games out of seven instead of four? I don't necessarily where hate the that. first three games are at home, where it's hey, I want to give you something for it. And, three two two. Um, yeah, something like that. Three two two. I I wouldn't hate that. I feel that I like that better than picking your opponent. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like picking the opponent. I also don't like uh, you can't do a buy. That doesn't make sense. No, unless you're just going to completely scrape the format. And as far as who's going to win it, you know, right now it's between Vancouver and Boston. Both have 71 points. Both have the exact same winning percentage. I guess the tiebreaker obviously would go to Vancouver because of more um, row wins. Uh, but uh, it's between those two. I mean, Colorado's still close four back. Florida is um, five back. So it's still possibility Dallas, Winnipeg, and all that. But right now, Vancouver, Boston, you want to go with Boston because of the pedigree. You want to go with Vancouver that should get better after uh, the Lindholm deal. Um I'm, I'm going to pick Vancouver. I've been on them all year. I, I'm going to say Vancouver is going to win the President's Trophy. I'll agree with you with Vancouver. You want my hot take that I might come out of uh, the second half with? I like it. I think Florida wins the East. That, that, definitely. definitely. I th- and that's not again. I'm, I'm not talking about like a team that's right now in eighth going to jump. But I just I like the way they've been playing. I'm not saying Boston won't be there. But when you say it's between Vancouver and Boston because they're tied in points right now, I agree with you on that. I could see. Florida winning the Atlantic, and if they go on enough of a run, mm-hmm. they could possibly win the President's Trophy. I wonder what the odds are on ESPN Bet are for that right now. I'm gonna take a look. Um, but I think they can win the Atlantic, and then if they can win the Atlantic, if 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 you think Don that Vancouver and Boston are right neck and neck, I think that obviously that would mean that Florida is neck and neck with them too. But I would choose between those two teams, Vancouver, and I won't say Boston in the East as the best chance to win. I will say that Florida has the best I like chance it. to win. I like it. AZ Ranger said, good morning, guys. Why does it seem like Shesterkin gets more heat than Sorokin? They've had very similar subpar seasons, and the only one that has a Vesna is Shesty. You never seem to say that Shesty can steal a series like you do with Sorokin. Yes, I'm biased. Well, the reason they say that Sorokin can steal a series is his team's not as good. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. I mean, because the Rangers, I think, are considered a better team than the Islanders. So why would you ask? Why would Shesterkin be asked to steal a series? That that that's that that's why that vernacular is used. Now, why? I, probably because people don't appreciate Sorokin as much. I mean, when you look at the head-to-head, Anthony, Sorokin has been the better goaltender when they faced each other, but I think there's a lot of attention because of winning the Vesna Trophy, uh, because of going to the conference final more recently, that there's a lot more pressure on Shesterkin, but I, I think because of who he plays for, and then maybe the expectations aren't quite as high, but I think it's a great point by AZ Ranger that they both have struggled. No, and, the, look, we talked about it last week, right, Don? I think I said... T- top five goalies, or at least goalies that were in the top five within the last two or three years, their save percentages are in the 9-0s, which is not what you're used to seeing. Ottinger's one of them, uh, uh, Shesterkin's one of them, and Sorokin's one of them. I think that you realize the limitations of the Islander roster, or at least you should realize the limitations of the Islander roster. As a result of that, you know, okay, even if he's at the top of his game, he may not have the numbers that 
Shesterkin should have because the team's playing better in front of him. Now, ironically enough, the Rangers are playing just as bad as the Islanders were at their worst at some point this season. And yes, Shesterkin is getting more heat, but that's because they got off to such a hot start. Goaltending was a big part of that. And then it all of a sudden bottomed out for what would seem like no reason, but the whole team in general wasn't playing good in front of him. Sorokin's been dealing with that all year. So you kind of get a, I wouldn't say a pass, but you kind of understand, okay, this team hasn't been playing well anyway. Sorokin's an amazing goaltender, but how much can he do on his own? Uh, at some point, you would think that Shostarkin will have to pick up his game because the Rangers will get better um, and should get better. And that is why I think that that is there. Also, it's just that the Rangers are the more popular team. Um, if the Islanders were near the top of the Metro and Sorokin was not playing well, you would be hearing that Sorokin needs to be better. Um, but Ranger fans are also very quick to uh, turn on their star goaltender, as we know, uh, from the multitude of tweets we get about right. him to be traded. I know. And I, it, it's, it, it is crazy. Uh, Sean Gleason says, what player could be on the move that maybe hasn't been thought about yet or discussed over the Twitterverse? Who would surprise you the most? Good question. Does he, uh, I guess it would have to mean that there was somebody that's upset that we don't know about or a team that possibly thinks they're out of it or they're not going to be able to sign somebody and that's going to allow them to the pro the problem is with this like you know it, you don't get surprises anymore because everybody's out there right everybody knows the caps situation everybody knows who's a free agent so there really isn't that many surprises so i'm just gonna i'm, I'm just for blanks and giggles i'm gonna just throw this name out to you i'm not saying i heard anything and he's got a no movement clause but would there ever be a situation where there there would be any conversation about moving Alexander Ovechkin? That's interesting. And Washington looks like they've got to go to rebuild. Now it's a big, like I said, he's got a no movement clause. He's under contract through twenty five twenty six at big money nine point five million. So it's a really difficult contract to move. Thirty eight years old, not having a great season. You're not exactly selling high, but like, the, but you're trying to talk about players that would like shock you, but it kind of makes sense. Because there could be a team out there that says, yeah, I'd love Alexander Ovechkin. I just want him on my team when he eventually breaks Gretzky's record or something. Like, Or does Washington say, listen, we're in a rebuild here. Uh, we're not going anywhere, but it's nice to have Ovechkin finish his career. I don't think it would happen. But if you really want to commit to a rebuild and Backstrom is done, um, can can that be a piece where you say, okay, we're finally going to officially move on? Um that that's a name that would surprise me. Pittsburgh's not going to get rid of Crosby. They're too close. They they're, they're too much financial commitment around him. When you look at the financials with um, Washington, they've got uh, Kuznetsov's a free agent after next year. Oshie's a free agent after next year. Manth is a free agent this year. Pacioretty's a free agent this year. They don't have a lot of contracts, Anthony. Outside of Carlson, who's signed through 27, 26, 27, their, their, their defensemen are all pretty much locked up, although not expensively. Uh, they're getting Bear on the cheap. They're getting uh, Van Riemsdyk on the cheap. Jensen is a, is a pretty cheap contract at the, just a shade over four. So Carlson's the big gun that they've committed to. But they're, they're, they're going to have a lot of money. They're going to be really free of a lot of contracts. Oh, and, and Wilson's locked up for 
a long period of time as well. And they just got that one done a year or two ago. So right? um, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing a name out there. Is there anybody that uh, that you can think of that I'll throw one you'd out. be surprised if they were moved? I'll throw one out there because why not? Because um, I, I don't think it makes sense for this person to stay there anymore necessarily. Uh, why not UC Soros? Uh, there are a bunch of teams that need goalies. I don't think the Predators, I've said it before, the way that they've played um, and the teams they've lost to when they really needed to get a win, I don't like the way that they're playing at the moment. I think you can get a ton for UC Soros. There are so many people that need goaltenders. Barry Trotz, first year as the GM there, is he going to kind of just tear it all down and build it back up? Maybe go a little more cheap on the goaltending side and get a lot of assets to get the roster better around a Philip Forsberg if you plan on keeping him and Roman Yossi not getting any younger. Um, I don't think it'll happen. I just wanted to see because everyone said not on the radar. I know that there's rumors of this is what the asking price would be, uh, people that would keep somebody like him on their radar, but I don't think he would get traded, which is why I'll say in terms of I'd be shocked, I'd say let's see if the Predators deal UC Soros. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I think they're just too close, but uh, things can happen between now and the trade deadline, right? Yes, and by the way, uh, on ESPN Bet, if you're in Jersey, plus 1,000 for the Panthers to win the President's Trophy behind the Oilers. So that is yeah. uh, that is something I would be interested in. The, uh, that's th- throw some money at that. Now, the final one here from Harris. Who is the toughest team for the Rangers to make the Cup Final? Who is the toughest team? So I guess he's saying what team is going to be the, the, the path of the toughest resistance. Well, right now, the way the Rangers are playing, I mean, anybody. it feels like everybody. Um, does but he I, mean I, in the I, East? Does he mean in the West? I, 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 I'm, I'm just going to say he's probably talking about who is, who, who's going to be the toughest team to get through I'd say Carolina. to win the East, and it's going to be Carolina. I'd say Carolina because no matter what, you have to get through your bracket. you got to get through Carolina if they win their first round matchup. Right. Um, or if you win your first round matchup and you end up being second in the Metro in a Carolina wins, you have to get through them. Um, I would say Carolina. Uh, not to be shortly followed after by Boston and Florida. I think all three of those teams would give the Rangers problems. Hmm. And uh, and Florida and Carolina this season have. Uh, but I would say Carolina because it's the most likely opponent they'll have to face before the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, and we've seen the way that they play defense can uh, frustrate the Rangers even under LaViolette. Uh, so I would say Carolina. Yeah, there's no question. And the thing about the division, it's really just the Rangers and Carolina. You know, Philadelphia is in free fall now with no heart. I'll be very interested to see how they play after the break. They've lost five in a row. They've got 56 points, so they're they're already trailing the Rangers by seven. And then you go. Then after that, you're looking at you know the Islanders who have 52 points, and they they have struggled this year. Pittsburgh with 51 points. I mean that's a large gap to be able to make up in a short period of time here. So it's really between the Rangers and the Hurricanes. And if I had to guess right now, just based on how they played recently, and with Anderson possibly coming back sooner than later, I would say the Carolinas got the best chance to win the division. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong on that. I mean, the Rangers are going to have to show that they have gotten out of this month-and-a-half to two-month funk that they're in uh, and play a little bit more like the team that played uh, in the first two months of the season. Or can they at least get back to playing more consistent hockey where there's less turnovers and their goaltending is better? Um, Carolina is getting healthier and seem to be turning the corner the right way as opposed to the wrong way. And they stuck around. The Rangers struggled. They got better. They're 7-2-1 in their last 10. The Rangers are 4-5-1 in their last 10. And now they're only two points back and have a game in hand. Um, the Rangers looked like they had a comfortable lead. They did have a comfortable lead, yeah. and they let it slip away. So oh, yeah. that's the uh, that's the problem that they're that they're facing right now. Now that I'm 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 look, just looking at Carolina's schedule because oh, they've okay, got okay. a game in hand, but they've got Vancouver tomorrow. That's not easy. 
and then they've got uh, then they follow that up with the Avalanche. Now the both games are either. at home, so while the Rangers are taking on the Avalanche and the Lightning, the Hurricanes are going to be taking on the Canucks and the Avalanche. So um, then the Rangers have the Blackhawks on Friday. Bit of a soft landing there, but Carolina is going to be right up their rear end, you know. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch how things go uh, the rest of the way. All right, so I haven't heard back from EJ as of yet. But we we're got two days. Get him on Wednesday and just get his thoughts on all the things that we talked about. We'll have a few games to talk about the two tonight, and then we've got a nice uh, eight game slate on Tuesday. So uh, why don't we do uh, come back on Wednesday? Do it again. I think we should. I think we're responsible, and we should do it. And the way to get in touch with us is at Don LaGreca and at Anthony Pusick, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.